0: It's my great blessing to introduce to you, well, probably not to some of you, um, Reverend Tony Clark, who, um, as some of you know, there were a group of us went up to um, a Captivate Women's Conference up in Jacksonville, and um, as I was thinking about it, I was thinking I'm not too sure how I do my sermon prep on a Friday when I'm up at the conference, and Um, texted Tony who really graciously stepped in to take the Saturday evening service and then uh, to preach for us today. So um, I'm really blessed to have him open up the word to us today. Tony, thank you so much. And thank you, Sarah. It's great to be with you all this morning. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts, be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. The great Russian novelist Leo Tolstoy once said that great literature is one of two stories. A man goes on a journey, or a stranger comes to town. A man goes on a journey, think of The Hobbit, think of The Lord of the Rings, Bilbo Baggins or Frodo, off on a journey. A stranger comes to town. Perhaps you think of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, because the monster is truly a stranger come to town. Or if you're thinking of a movie, think of the old Clint Eastwood westerns. Clint Eastwood would ride into town a stranger, and somewhere in that movie, someone (coughs) would say, Who is this man? Why is he here? A man goes on a journey, a stranger comes to town. Two different themes that truly make our Holy Scripture, our great story, really great literature. Because Holy Scripture is both God's people on a journey and a stranger come to town, all together in this great story of God's redemption. We're the ones who are on the journey, God's people. We're on a journey from a garden to a holy city. And while we are on our journey, a stranger comes to town, and the stranger is Jesus himself. Scripture even talks about Jesus coming to his own people and they never really knew who he was. Think about his own disciples. They never understood Jesus' identity. They never understood his work. And in our letter to the Hebrews, which we're going to be reading over the next several weeks, in our worship, you get both of those strands rolled together. God's people on a journey towards God's perfect rest, as well as a stranger come to town. Because the writer of this letter really spends time throughout the entire letter wondering who is this stranger and why has he come to town. The section that we read today, you can think of as an overture to a symphony. Overture to a symphony always has the themes of the symphony worked into the overture. And you catch just a glimpse of each theme in that opening part of the symphony or in the opening part of an opera or in the opening section of a musical. Some of the opening themes that we hear are about Jesus, who He is. He is the exact replica of the living God. Jesus is not a knockoff. He's not a semi-God. He's not a demi-God. He's not a lesser God. He is God Himself in the flesh among us. The exact replica of the God of heaven. Not only is he that, he's also the pioneer of our faith. He is the one who has gone before us and has gone before us for us. Now, when we think of pioneers, we think of the wild, wild west. And that's part of that pioneer spirit of America. But for those of us who live in Florida, we've known pioneers... Because at one point, Florida was, well, the wild, wild south. And there were pioneers that moved into especially the central Florida area. They were the ones who went first. They were the ones who went before us. Just as Jesus has gone before us in suffering, and he went before us in suffering for us, on our behalf. And all through the letter, the writer's going to remind us of Jesus going before us on our behalf. Reminds us of Jesus' humanity in a significant way. And so we get this idea here at the beginning of the letter, and it will be worked all through the letter, of who is this stranger come to town? We'll learn more about Jesus' identity. But we'll also learn more about, well, why did this stranger come to town? We'll learn more about the work of Jesus. We catch a glimpse of it in this opening paragraph today because we hear that after Jesus made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Now, through the letter the writer is going to remind us that Jesus is greater than prophets, He is greater than angels, He is greater than Moses, and He is greater than the temple priests. And He's greater than the temple priests because Jesus' sacrifice of Himself is full, it is complete, it is sufficient, it is satisfactory, it is all-encompassing. For Jesus, His offering on the cross was a one and Done. Temple priests offered their sacrifice day after day after day. In a sense, they never got to sit down. They were always working. Jesus, His offering on the cross, His self-offering for our sins, for our redemption, it was as if Jesus simply drops the mic and goes to sit down. Because his work is done. There's no need to have additional sacrifices because there's been that one full and complete sacrifice. You can just imagine Jesus sitting down and said, Okay, Dad, I'm going to leave the rest of this to you and to the Holy Spirit. Y'all can cover it from here on out. I'm just going to kick back and watch daytime television. But that isn't what Jesus did. Or what he does. Because yes, he had a role here on earth as a sacrifice for sin. But now as he sits at the right hand of the Father in majesty, he continues working on our behalf as our intercessor. The writer is going to remind us later on that we are able to enter into the throne of grace boldly because Jesus has gone before us and he is there for us. He receives our prayers, He hears our cries, He knows our struggles. Remember, He's gone before us. And not only does He hear our prayers, know of our struggles, know of our failures, He receives all of that, but then He also sends with the Father the Holy Spirit among God's people, so that while they are on their journey, while we're on our journey, we can be strengthened, we can be encouraged, we can be guided, we can be healed, we can be comforted in the midst of the struggles of life. And so we have this stranger come to town. The stranger is Jesus himself. And we come to know through this letter, and you'll hear more about this over the next several weeks, about Jesus being the exact replica of God. And that Jesus is the pioneer of our faith. And that through his suffering, we can have this remarkable access to the throne of grace. Where he is seated, completing his work of sacrifice and continuing a work of intercession on our behalf. Now, at this point, some of y'all may be wondering, okay, that's really good to know, but what do I do with this? So what? Well, a few so what's, a few takeaways, if you will. One is that the letter to the Hebrews is really a back-to-basics sermon. Now, let's face it, most of us don't like to go back to basics. If you have ever been to baseball spring training or to training camp for basketball or for football, you know that the first few minutes of watching players go through drills, well, that's interesting, and then after a while, for us as fans, it becomes boring. If you watch baseball spring training, how many times do you have to watch a pitcher cover first base on a ground ball down the left field line? Believe me, while it's boring for us, It is boring for the players as well. Both of my children played high school and college sports and training camp was always miserable. They wanted to move from training camp into live action. Let's get to the games. And for so many of us, the training camp, the basics of our faith can be, well, boring. Why is he talking about Jesus' identity? Why is he talking about Jesus' work? We already know that. Can't we get on to something a little bit more exciting? Something bright, something shiny. Squirrel? We're so easily distracted. So easily distracted. And the writer to the Hebrews is calling his hearers, and he's calling us, back to basics, to the basics of our faith reminding us of who is Jesus and why did he come to town. One last thought, and this is related to those of us who are on the journey as the people of God, as we're on the move from the garden, that was so long ago, onto the heavenly city. We are on this journey, and a stranger has joined us along the way. Jesus himself has joined us along the way. And like those two disciples on the road to Emmaus after Jesus' resurrection, we often don't recognize the Lord's presence among us because, well, he's a stranger. Now, I don't know about you, and I'm probably the only one in the room who's like this, but I don't always interact well with strangers. Well, let's see. Why wouldn't you interact well with strangers? Well, they don't look like me, they don't sound like me, they don't dress like me, they're not from the same place I'm from, so, well, they're, they're strangers. And so how many of us tend to do a Heisman with tra- strangers? We just give them a stiff arm. We hold them at arm's length because, well, they're strangers. They're different. And yet we have a stranger come to town. After the 8 o'clock this morning, Pat, Sarah's husband, reminded me that the Greek word senos has two meanings. On the one hand, it means stranger. It also means guest. And the beauty of the gospel, the good news of the gospel is that while this Jesus comes to town as a stranger, as he joins us along the road, often as a stranger, we don't fully understand him, he comes alongside of us and invites us to welcome him into our lives. And the beautiful part of that is that when we're willing to let the guard down, when we're willing to step, and lower the arms, become a bit more vulnerable, and welcome Jesus in, we can know remarkable blessing, we can know remarkable strength, we can know remarkable peace that we would never know by holding that stranger at arm's length. And so we have the stranger who stands before us also as a guest. And so as we go through the next several weeks reading through this letter to the Hebrews, keep those two great stories in mind. The story of a man gone on a journey as the people of God on a journey. And also keep the idea of a stranger come to town in mind. See how they interweave through this letter. And as you're going back to the basics of the faith, to open your heart, open your mind, open your life to this stranger come to town. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.